Space, the final frontier. Final because it wants to kill us. Sometimes we forget that, start taking it all for granted. The suits, the ships, the little bubbles of safety, as they protect us from the void. But the void is always waiting. Welcome, everybody, to the fabulous 42nd episode of <laughs> the Metabilis 2 podcast. Uh, the life, the universe, and everything. The answer of 42. Yes. Uh, featuring myself, Ben. And David. Uh, We've got to be careful about our using up our oxygen this week. <laughs> our breaths are limited. <laughs> our breaths are limited. Our breaths are very, very limited. Um, so this week, we're going to be discussing the latest episode of our favorite TV show, which has, which is entitled Oxygen. Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah. Really? Oh, my God. What a great episode. Yeah. I've, I've got very little to say that's not good about this episode. It was mm-hmm. brilliant. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, yeah. For me, it was the best good Lord. episode of Doctor Who since the Hinchcliffe era of the 1970s. Whoa, okay, that's 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 some praise right there from from the yeah. young David. Um, yeah. Wow, I possibly wouldn't go quite that far. Okay. I, it's it's up in my top five episodes mm-hmm. of New Who. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. No, and, and near one, two, or three, I would have mm-hmm. thought. I thought it was flawless pretty pretty flaw in fact the only flaws that i could find in it and actually unfortunately we've actually been away for the weekend so i've only watched it relatively recently i.e okay, within so the last fresh, couple of hours fresh, it's fresh right. in my mind um the only flaws that i can think of are flaws to do with continuity and usually my flaws do with continuity mm. as everyone knows is there wasn't enough of it Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I would love if the company had been IMC, um, <laughs> that would have just, you know, you know, Madam Isigree had been referenced in some sort of way. That would have been, um, ice, that would have, it would have been just been like a little sprinkling of <laughs> icing on like a giant cake that was basically made of icing. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So would you go as far as saying this is the best of the season so far? 100% best of the season. Um, uh, certainly, uh, uh, I mean, I'd have to mentally rewind back through everything, but certainly got to be something like the best of Peter Capaldi's run. Oh, I mean, yes, again. definitely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it was well-paced. It just... Oh, uh, beautifully paced. I, I just really got a lot of a lot of classic vibes. I really felt mm-hmm. that this was the Doctor Who that I have been waiting for since 2005 at least and definitely probably since the late 70s yeah yeah that's i mean I, that's verging on an exaggeration <laughs> but certainly i can see how that would be the case mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah i mean it was scary it was right. well directed mm-hmm. it was well acted it was mm-hmm. well written um it was well paced it told a small story i mean yes. i think we've been criticizing in the last few episodes like giant monsters underneath right. the Thames it's mm-hmm. just too high concept there's too mm-hmm. much story there you can't get you can't get it in there it's a small story but it had big themes and those themes connected all the way back to classic who which yes. is like capitalism sucks we're all super <laughs> left wing you right. know it's horrible like the men in suits are going to screw us over yes they yeah. are mm-hmm. you know and you are we reached a point where our you know the irritation one gets from one stupid smartphone which is always asking me to update it or pay, me to pay it some more money <laughs> for something that i didn't realize it was doing for me anyway right. yeah well that's what that's what a spacesuit will be at some mm-hmm. point fabulous stuff right your your life is in our hands. <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. Is there is I I can see well, I can't remember what the phrase is now. I can see your your I can see you're struggling with something. Do you need assistance? Mm-hmm. You know, is that it's it's Siri. Like that stupid, it's Siri. It's, it's Clippy. Siri. It's, it's Clippy. Yes. <laughs> Siri. It's Clippy. It's everything that's horrific about you know the current world that we live in. Yeah. And of course, if you think about it, you know, I, I and I I've, I've thought about it a little bit since since I watched since I watched mm-hmm. the show. You think about a space station and you think about a commercial operation in space and you right. think about what it costs to do commercial work in space. It's entirely mm-hmm. feasible 
that oxygen would be uh, rationed in space. And it's commodity. entirely mm-hmm. feasible that space workers would be independent contractors, um, mm-hmm. you know, freelancers who would have to buy their own equipment and have to buy their own oxygen because that's all the expensive stuff to get into space. I right. can totally see that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really. I mean, I'm not just joking in terms of, you know, well, anything can happen in the future. I can really see that as being... <laughs> You know, a couple of hundred years from now, that's one of the ways that the exploration and commercial exploitation of space will happen. Well, we do see similar type things in uh, China where the smog and pollution is so bad that people are buying bottled oxygen. Yep, absolutely. In order to breathe. So it's it's not too far-fetched of a stretch, and it is. I think what uh, the doctor says, you know, what Jamie Matheson has the doctor say is that it's the ultimate end point of capitalism where human life is meaningless to the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, we do have a slight throwaway line at the end in that, you know, and then there was a revolution. Capitalism mm-hmm. was destroyed, um, which was which is awesome. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, touch back. <laughs> we'll touch back on that when we get towards the end. Um, to the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that the, the stakes were small, but they were able to ratchet it up each scene that the stakes got just a little bit more tight. So the first yeah. the first cliffhanger was losing the sonic and then we lose the air shell that the TARDIS extended and yep. then we see Bill dying and then the final cliffhanger with the doctor actually having lost his sight that they're going to continue this into the next next week. Into next, next episode. Week. Exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a double episode in that sort mm-hmm. of way. It's the you know the doctor's the Doctor's blindness two-partner. Uh-huh. Uh, two-parter. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we'll see how long it lasts. I I, I would imagine that it uh, will be resolved next are week. We, but are we, are we talking about it? Because you, you aren't watching the next time trailers, are you? I, I did watch this one because I was so intrigued to, okay. <laughs> to see well, what's I mean, going on. So there's an end shot there when we get a reveal of a particular character who is mm-hmm. returning. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether right. we want to explain what next week might be about. No, no. If, I'm just okay. We don't. I'm but just I mean, saying, you know, yeah. I can see that character mm-hmm. being utilized to help the Doctor because the Doctor currently is unable to see. Right. That would and so. ergo maybe something gets opened. Anyway, I think just maybe just go from this excellent episode from top to bottom. Just the opening with the Star Trek, the play and the Star Trek, the classic Star Trek opening with Space: The Final Frontier, yeah, and then exactly. Capaldi adding on final because it wants to kill us yeah nice one it's a really really nice way of bringing in that very classic star trek framing yeah and we get introduced to the space zombies and i was um, listening to jamie matheson talk about that on uh, doctor who the fan show saying that was moffat's idea and he went back and rewrote the script but the whole idea of the suit uh, being being the zombies, you know, the the corpse in the suit, being being the monster in this story, but also having a double meeting that they're fighting the suits, they're fighting corporations. Fighting the suits, exactly, right. Exactly. And yep. So it reminded me of. Uh, did you ever see Wallace and Gromit the Wrong Trousers? I'm a big fan of the Wrong Trousers. Yes. <laughs> so it was kind of a, a sinister version of the Wrong Trousers. <laughs> well, let's just quickly. Let's just. I mean, let's just do a quick history of kind of sentient evil spacesuits. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is, of course, the classic Robert Heinlein, How Spacesuit Will Travel, mm-hmm. which is about a spacesuit that has like an element of, of sentience to them. I'm also, of course, referencing or thinking about there's a great Ian M. Banks um, novella called uh, Descendant, which is a, a dialogue between uh, an astronaut and his sentient spacesuit as they try and reach safety. Um, and eventually through the dialogue, you actually, you actually, well, I won't give away the story, but it is, <laughs> it is, it is, you, you start to, 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 to wonder okay, who's actually talking. Is it the spacesuit or the dying astronaut inside the spacesuit? Right. That is well worth tracking down if you like Ian M. Banks. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm totally reminded of the Skeletoids from the Sixth Doctor's run on the Doctor Who magazine comic strip. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, written, I think, the Skeletoids, well, hang on, well, who were they written by? I don't know. That <laughs> would be Alan, uh, Alan McKenzie. Uh, and, uh, and drawn by the fantastic John Ridgway, the Skeletoids were basically sentient spacesuits which had human corpses inside them, and they, they rampaged through the galaxy. They pretty much almost killed off the Daleks. They pretty much almost killed off 
the Cybermen, they were a mm-hmm. big threat um, during the Six Doctors' uh, uh, tenure on the Doctor Who magazine comic strip. And then, of course, we have the Vashta Naraya, right. yeah, exactly. um, yeah. who I think the most recent memory of the skeleton inside a spacesuit, um, mm-hmm. who, again, you know, yeah, the Vashta Naraya did devour the flesh of the mm-hmm. humans inside the suits, but mm-hmm. the suits keep on walking. And it's a really great, creepy idea. Yeah. Let's keep on using it. Yeah. It's lovely. It worked well, and I thought this was done better than the Vashta Narada, actually. Yeah, it was It was certainly a lot more horrible. I mean, the Vashta mm-hmm. Narada, I mean, you could kind of tell... I mean, the, it's it's hard to do a skeleton, and I think maybe <laughs> they even learned from the Vashta Narada because, of course, there's an actor inside the suit. The actor has to wear a mask. You can't right. really wear a skeleton mask because a skeleton is obviously less than a human head. Right. Um, so to go with kind of decaying, rotting, uh, frozen... Uh, exposed to hard vacuum of space mm-hmm. flesh is a ballsy move actually right. I mean, it makes sense in terms of makeup but it makes the whole thing a lot more horrific there were yeah, a lot more very gruesome. skeletons yeah, yes. incredibly gruesome mm-hmm. oh my god mm-hmm. those kind of milky eyes and the kind of just the just the part where where bill got the ice crystals over her skin it's like oh my mm-hmm. god well on the second viewing it looked more like blistering from the boiling because that they set it up oh, the whole yeah. thing right with, with, with the doctor's lectures right and it was done, really yeah. great to see the the blackboards from like listen and just the in with capaldi's artwork with the skull with he's yep. drawing the skull illustration which is actually a constellation of stars yep. and yep. it just yep. it just really really tied in it, it, it tied in a lot of continuity but in a, in a very subtle uh, detailed oriented way that if you if this was the very first episode of Doctor Who that you saw you were not encumbered by any of this detail and you had mentioned that uh, IMC from the Pertwee era yeah. wasn't wasn't name checked but we we also get the name check right when they're in the TARDIS with the fluid links going back to the very second episode of Doctor Who, back to the Hartnell era, which seems we do to get be, fluid links. Yep, right, which seems to be a theme of this series of Doctor Who of you know these these kisses to the past of the Hartnell era. Yeah, that yeah. so I, I'm wondering if it might have been even a, a selective or a deliberate choosing to to have our focus in on uh, this is. This is this is a Hartnell era. This is a yeah, callback yeah, to the yeah. Hartnell era. I mean, I guess you know another potential. And again, the 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 company, well, I guess it's Ganymede Systems, mm-hmm. um, is 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 potentially um, the company that we're working for. But of course, I mean, there is a there is a, a potential uh, you know uh, contact to the company in the Sunmakers. Praise all praise the company. Uh, all praise the company. <laughs> 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 um, obviously, this isn't this isn't nearly uh, you know that that was a piece of nineteen seventies mm-hmm. satire and brilliantly and fantastically done and I love the Sunmakers but it right. was more it was more fantasy. Right. Um, this is a piece of you know contemporary satire. You know mm-hmm. this is this is you know talking about our phones. Um, it's talking first about first world this, problems. <laughs> first our first world problems and as you reference, it's also other problems. You know people mm-hmm. uh, living in Beijing having to buy their own oxygen. Right. And it's you know it's it's how our lives are atomized. Mm-hmm. Um, and dissected and reassembled into compartments that mm-hmm. you know the private enterprise can charge money for, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially you know the stage of capitalism that we're at right now. And just to you know re- rewind back to the seventies again, uh, you know, the the kind of the the great writers and showrunners, producers of Doctor Who in the nineteen seventies, people like Malcolm Hulk, people like. Um, uh, Bob, uh, Holmes. Rock, Bob Holmes, mm-hmm. um, uh, people like Barry Lex, all completely lefty, 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 left-wing, left-wing people. Mm. Um, even down to the fact that you know Malcolm Holt was a member of the British Communist Party, being spied on by MI5. Um, this is this is the radicalism that Doctor Who was kind of founded on. Do you think that Bob Holmes is really that much of a lefty? Um, I think he was. I think like Terence Dix, I think he was a contrarian. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I guess in the seventies, if you were a contrarian, it possibly made you slightly more right wing, as we might say it nowadays, because mm. the predominant government of the nineteen seventies, um, certainly the late nineteen seventies, yes, was was, was, was was a leftist government. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm sure if you ask if you ask their opinion of Ted Heath. Um, and his conservative government of the early 1970s, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, early to mid 1970s, they would have been equally, equally 
of dismissive. So, but, so again, maybe maybe not left in terms of a of a of a kind of socialist kind of structuralist left, right. but certainly left in the terms of you know, anti-establishment, mm-hmm. anti-authoritarianism, contrarian, which is you know what one of the things we like about our fi- our favorite show is mm-hmm. that it likes to point out what the opposite point of view is, right. um, and not in a kind of a boring kind of libertarian sort of way. It doesn't really like to point out what the uh, 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 what the answer is, but it mm-hmm. does like to point out what the, what the problem what the problem <laughs> is, um, and the doctor usually provides the answer, which mm-hmm. is wreck that particular system and then fly away again. Right, um, and that is, I think, is the contrarian <laughs> is the contrarian creed basically, and which he sets in motion with um, setting Ivan and Abby back at corporate headquarters and absolutely the implication absolutely. that there is a revolution six months which later. which 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 I thought was very good because actually I, I felt a slight spark of disappointment appointment um, towards the end of the show when basically doctor the you know the doctor used the company's you know Ganymede Systems own you know profit driven algorithms to save the day mm. i.e. they weren't going to kill the humans because by killing the humans it would destroy their investment which is the space station that's not really a victory that's kind of just kind of using that particular profit driven evil to pause the current crisis Sending those two uh, surviving astronauts to company headquarters to, you know, protest to the union, or you know, you, again, I love the, I love the kind of small dig when they, when you know, the doctor's psychic paper apparently real, revealed that they were from the union, right. but the union was a myth. Presumably, it's the union of amalgamated space <laughs> workers or something like that. Uh, um, so yes, again, you know, the the, the writer James mm-hmm. Matheson, he made time to uh, actually get himself out of that particular hole, which actually, you know, okay, yes, we've used the company's own algorithms to, to, to pause itself, but, you know, there is hope that actually, you know, sending these two people back to company headquarters might actually change things. And according to the doctor, it did. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I really liked his solution. I thought it was a very clever thing that you, the only way to beat the company is to hurt the company or show the company where your profit or your value is. And by linking your life support systems yeah. into the life support system of the entire base, you effectively, it's you know, you hack right. the system to make it work for you to save your life. You become more valuable alive than dead. And I thought that, you know, I, I think that was yeah, a brilliant yeah. ending. It wasn't, uh, you know, a reset switch. It actually made sense within the whole context of the episode that they're putting the stakes on that it's all about the commodity. It's all about the value. And yeah. they're going to save the life because it's going to be too expensive to kill. And I think the episode made beautiful sense all the way through, basically. Um, I, I really couldn't find any any kind of you know inconsistencies or plot holes mm-hmm. um everything fitted together really really smartly all the little mm-hmm. bits of satire were perfectly done you know even down to the kind of siri-esque voice velma. of the of the spacesuits um i thought that a uh, velma i thought the you know the little bit of business oh. about racism again yes. very 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 nicely handled. Very nicely handled. I thought that was much better handled than what was handled in Thin Ice. And just the, with the Nardole yeah. saying, yeah. some of my best friends are bluish, and then Bill's reaction, and uh, Darren, Peter Caulfield's character, uh, just saying, oh, great, we rescue a racist. Yeah. I thought that was handled <laughs> a lot more sophisticatedly than... Yes, what was handled by yeah. uh, Sarah Dollard and Thin Ice by just punching the racist. We put the racist yeah. lines within our main characters, and we kind of examined the reactions, or you know, the, the how how those play out with in a different situation with blue skinned character. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a so yeah a much more sophisticated way of getting at the same theme, which is obviously part of this um, series 10 at, at a higher level. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, again, I think it's, you know, um, it, it is actually kind of interesting to me in some ways that, 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 you know, we never really tackled Martha's skin color. I think maybe there are only a couple of points. Human um, nature was the Human main nature, one. I think, the main one, which, you know, mm-hmm. they, they really had to do that given the, you know, given the structure of the boarding right. school that they were involved in that really had to be tackled but but basically during RTD's tenure and certainly during that second series that second season of, of, of David Tennant so year three 
uh, we you know, that that was just really mm-hmm. kind of skate, kind of skated over. Um, I think this was right. a, this was a really nice way of doing it. I think would have made the average, and I'm just as average as everyone else, would have made the average Doctor Who mm-hmm. uh, watcher kind of, oh yeah, think a little bit about exactly what they think about things, which is, mm-hmm. you know, partly what the show is about. Uh, just to just to sidebar for a second, um, I'll just talk. I talk about the so the <laughs> the the blue skin color um, of that particular yes. character was brilliantly done. I've not seen a better blue person, um, I think, ever. Um, <laughs> certainly not on Doctor Who. And I guess maybe do they have that? I guess they have that character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Anyway, I thought that was really done, and in general, the effects throughout this episode were perfect. The weightlessness effects were perfect. Mm-hmm. The magnetic boots effects were perfect. The uh, the 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 invisible oxygen right. gathering shield around people's helmets was perfectly done uh, the uh, it was the effects mm-hmm. uh, the physical effects and computer effects and i think actually the blue skin was probably a, a combination of a of a practical effect and a and a and a, and a post-production computer effect which just seemed just seamless i didn't see anything wrong it was the makeup i think which you know it wasn't shiny it was matte they matted it and so there's there's good yep. powder on it they matted it and out just yep. with the special the editing i thought was terrific it was just really wonderful like it you would only get glimpses of like oxygen level but not like oh my gosh the oxygen level is running out you would get it in context of something else going on like we're checking the suit out for something else or yep. it just really worked that you would get bits of data and so everything wasn't in your face with this with the casual racism with the oxygen with the corporatism and so i think that allowed for the admittedly rather heavy-handed anti-capitalist rhetoric in the speech which (laughs) i'm totally on board with but it i was amazed that the bbc would green like this with the constant hue and cry from the right in Britain saying how biased the BBC is. <laughs> and this this is this is just ammunition well, for them yeah. and the message. It was not subtle. It was very it was it was consistently put throughout the story that this is the ultimate end of capitalism. It is lethal and it is wrong, effectively. It's a mistake. <laughs> yes, uh, why not? You know, as I said, you know, let's have some of that mm-hmm. contrarian radicalism back into who, and I loved it. I've just done a quick internet search um, <laughs> while you were talking, though I was listening to what you were saying, uh, <laughs> which is so that mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about editing, and and um, I was, so I was like, well, who is the director of this piece of wonderfulness? And it is the yeah. director is Charles Palmer, who um, the son of the astounding actor and also Doctor Who alum- alumni. Um, alumnus, I beg your pardon, um, Jeffrey Palmer, who we oh, all excellent. love. Oh, excellent. Exactly, <laughs> the actual son of Jeffrey Palmer. But he also, mm-hmm. he directed Smith and Jones, which is fantastic right. and takes place on the moon, of course. He directed <laughs> Shakespeare Code, less good. Um, but he did also direct Human Nature and Family of Blood. Interesting. Um, so again, you know, I think the only, uh, in the third season, the, uh, the only point where we really kind of like, well, hang on, wouldn't Martha get into mm-hmm. trouble with her skin color at certain points in human history was addressed. Um, so that's interesting. And I'll have to say that if you were to, again, to ask me what my top 10 uh, new who episodes were, human nature and family of blood would be very much in, in the top 10 for me in the mix. Yep. Definitely mm-hmm. in the mix. So, I mean, let's, mm-hmm. let's give some kudos to, to Charles Palmer because it's clear to me that he's one right. of the very skillful directors mm-hmm. um, for Dr. Who um, and has done some, Excellent. Really, really mm-hmm. great stuff. The very opening scene where they're materialized in the space station, with that had a callback yeah. to me of the very first scenes of Ark in Space, where Harry, Sarah, and the Doctor on space station Nerva, with just the lack of oxygen and that whole the the whole first issue of the story is with oxygen. Yeah. And I, I like the little bit of uh, extension of what the TARDIS can do of expanding an oxygen shell. Now, I think they it went a little too far away from the TARDIS that allowed them to get a little, um, the, our, our time team, Bill Nardle and the Doctor, to get too far away from the TARDIS. But it, it does, it's a, it's a nice little yeah. explanation 
it's not an overextension of what the TARDIS capabilities can do. And we've seen similar things with the doctors sitting yeah. on top of the TARDIS in space or Amy flying up in space, but in an oxygen bubble. So it isn't something new. It's just given a name, an air shell. Yeah, and and I and actually I think it was. I mean, I've always been a little bit irritated by the ability of people to kind of sit on the TARDIS's <laughs> doorway with their legs dangling into space, and people like to be, you know, mm-hmm. people are kind of flying around, and people sitting on top of the TARDIS. That's always seemed to like way too magic and right. kind of Harry Pottery for me. Um, I I love that we now have kind of a physical thing that the TARDIS can do. There's a bubble that mm-hmm. it can extend, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is like a practice machine. It does machine things. I really, really enjoyed the explanation, which was perfectly practical and physical, of why they couldn't get back to the TARDIS. Though obviously, both, but you know, both, both Nardole and um, and, uh, and and yeah, Bill, they had like, more common should, sense than hell, the Doctor. We should, we should, we, <laughs> right. should, we should, we should, we should go now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't because because the the vacuum of space, uh, or, or or more accurately, the the mismatch between the vacuum of space and the and and, and what's in the what's mm-hmm. in the space what's in the space age itself was right. pushing the TARDIS against right. the door, so they couldn't actually get to the TARDIS. Um, I also felt it was a very a nice callback to some of my favourite TARDISy episodes, which are all kind of Terry Nation based. Um, like uh, Planet of the Daleks or Death of the Daleks, where you know the TARDIS is, it's mm-hmm. you know it's covered with fungus, there, so therefore the oxygen right. they, they can't get any oxygen into it, so the Doctor starts dying. Um, or the Death of the Daleks, where the you mm-hmm. know the TARDIS is again, it's a machine, it's a machine. I'm very much of the machine bent when it comes to the TARDIS. I'm not very excited by the whole Neil Gaiman style. Ooh, it's a magic box that's actually a person sentient thing. I like the TARDIS as just a really, (laughs) really, really clever machine. Anyway, so so this again fitted, was right in my wheelhouse in terms of TARDIS. I felt like this is a story where we had the hard sci-fi, we had sci-fi elements in Smile, but they weren't able to stick the landing. But in with uh, Oxygen, it just kept getting better and better, and even though yep. uh, you know, we don't see the ultimate thing and the ending where they go and protest corporate headquarters was like with the rebel flesh, the ending of that two-parter. Yeah. There are common themes within Doctor Who. When Doctor Who is executed really well on the tropes that are part of its uh, convention or part of its uh, vocabulary, and this executes perfectly or brilliantly on it yeah and just the whole commoditization of oxygen there's extra oxygen within the space station what's the solution let's just get rid of it let's not try to collect it or filter it use it. unlicensed oxygen is uh undermining the market value of uh, our commodity so let's just get rid of it exactly and i think you know we see that throughout our kind of liberal capitalist mm-hmm. system completely i think that's that's that, right. that kind of stuff happens all the time and mm-hmm. in some ways we just don't notice it but it's it is it is in all those kind of markets um that's the kind of attitude well, it's sort of like let's pollute the water so we can charge to clean it and you can buy bottled water at, you know, exorbitant prices. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Let's make the water dirty and then we'll just send you and then we'll just sell you clean water. And a job. Yes. Job done. The market. The market will solve the problems right. <laughs> that itself created. Um, so, yeah, this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all really, really good stuff. And I'm really, really glad that children um, uh, are watching this on a Saturday night. Um, certainly in Britain they are, mm-hmm. and I hope they're taking some of it in. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe there will be some change affected. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Exactly. And another really nice bit of writing here was uh, Matheson has the Doctor really almost overly reliant on the sonic screwdriver in the first 15 minutes. Oh. So it's like he's sonicking it to turn on lights, to, you know, look at this, look at that. And then that scene with the zombie suit crushing the sonic, the doctor goes, you know, you know, now I'm separated from the TARDIS. I don't have my TARDIS. I don't have my sonic. Matheson overemphasized use of sonic to then show how brilliant the character of the doctor is when he solves it without the sonic without the magic wand he is separated he's 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 only only relying on his intellect his ability that he possesses and then that's goes back to 
something that Missy said in the Magician's Apprentice, which is familiar, sort of like, what, what does the doctor have that no one else has? He doesn't give up. He believes in himself. And so it's his faith in his ability to get out of these situations allows him to get out of these situations. And I think that is another callback or another theme that Moffat has been developing throughout his time as showrunner. And it gets really well used again here. And the doctor calls attention to it twice. Once when uh, Nardo calls him out for being wrong, his doctor res- responds something like, well, one of these times I'm going to be right, so I'm going to keep trying to guess at it. Right, right, And right. then that really poignant scene where uh, Bill finds out the doctor's blind, and then the doctor goes to Bill, I've got no TARDIS, no Sonic, and about 10 minutes of oxygen left, and now I'm blind. Can you imagine how unbearable I'm going to be when I pull this off? You know, it's, <laughs> and you know, he's saying, well, jokes are for distraction. He's trying to keep Bill distracted. But it's, it's, it shows how good of a character the Doctor can be when he's written well that he doesn't have to rely yeah. on the crutches of you know a sonic a canine a tardis he can think it out and the solution i think of hacking the suits into the cooling system for the space station so if they go the space station goes that is a really effective ending and it also ties in a plot hole so if you if you watch it on reviewing there's five suits that he tied in he knew of the battery power in the suit was too low to kill Bill, but they had a suit for Ivan, Abby, the doctor, Nardle, and that fifth suit, that fifth suit they tied in was Bill. And so there's, you know, I yeah. think they, the production team, the writer thought really well about what kind of plot holes they were in and did their best to try to minimize them on second viewing. And I... I really think they did well with it. Yeah, and I think if you compare this to, again, some you know, relatively recent episodes of, of New Doctor Who, where there have been mm-hmm. absolutely glaring plot holes, which are simple mm-hmm. kind of almost carelessness in terms of the production team, this one, someone was really, really paying attention. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's, there's very little in this. And he said, even, you know, down to the editing and, and, and the direction, you know, where you're given information mm-hmm. at the same time that you're given other bits of information. Nothing is wasted. And again, just to agree with you completely, this is the doctor that we all know and love. He's never cruel. He's never cowardly. He right. never gives up and he never gives in. And that's the Terence Dix kind of touchstone mm-hmm. of what the Doctor is like. And here, you know, he was all of those right. things in absolute spades. And as you said, this is why he's such a fantastic mm-hmm. character. And this is why we love him, because this is why he's a hero. Um, let's go to the kind of ending ending parts of the episode. What do you think about the whole blindness thing? I mean, uh, you know, that was a real gut punch to me. I wasn't... Uh, you know, because the, doc, the nothing right. ever happens to the, to the doctor, really. I mean, mm-hmm. he is, a, you know, he is a reset character. Um, uh, you know, he doesn't really grow. He doesn't really change. And that's one right. of the, actually one of the awesome things about him. But, you know, to have something as, again, you know, f- gut-punchingly final as mm-hmm. um, he's blind, that's, that's, a really, right. that's a really tough episode, I think. I, I found it really, um, mm-hmm. uh, really concerning. I mean, I th- I, I'm still thinking, now, like, well, okay, mm-hmm. they're going to have to solve this somehow. If the TARDIS can't solve it, if there's actually, you know, if there isn't some piece of hand-wavium-style <laughs> magic in the TARDIS to solve blindness, right. then how are well, we going to solve I, this? I wonder. I, would, I really liked it because there's actually, I think for the is this the first time ever that there's been a consequence to the Doctor that has lasted from one story to another? That didn't have a reset at the end other than um, regeneration? I think so, yeah. So I, I think this... I think, I think so, it's, yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything, no. I'm overusing this word, but I think it's brilliant. There's an actual consequence and a stake. And Matheson acknowledged in this beautiful scene where where we're depressurizing, they can't reverse it. Bill's suit goes haywire, takes off her helmet. The doctor's trying to figure out what to do. And then we see her her skin blister. She gives out her last breath. 
And then we get this kind of blurry montage or this fuzzy montage, not fuzzy in focus, but just in recollection from Bill's perspective of tromping across the outside of the space station. We see laser battles going on. Then we see the doctor without a helmet on. And the next thing we come back is Bill coming back into consciousness and she's suffering from oxygen deprivation and Nardole saying, well, you know, the doctor's been exposed to the vacuum of space a little bit longer than he should have been and there's a consequence. And it's it ties in really nicely back to the lecture at the very beginning when the doctor's saying space is dangerous, it's trying to kill you, and then it gets... Uh, hooked in again in the decompression scene where the doctor says, Bill, you're about to be exposed to the vacuum of space. So, and then Nardole goes, so don't breathe. And Bill goes, or my lungs will explode. And the doctor says, you are listening. Well done. So that really fits in with the, the teaching of the mentorship. And so it just, it's, oh, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, beautifully yeah. written. And I really like that there's a consequence to the, the, the sacrifice that the doctor made. He sacrificed his sight so Bill could live. And so that responsibility that he feels over for his companions, for his assistants, it's not just something that is without stakes. I mean, he cares, he's willing to sacrifice, and there are consequences. And I think that really, yeah. really is good. Now, how, how they resolve it, Whatever way they resolve it, whether he's blind until he regenerates or whether they resolve it in the next episode or the next, it doesn't diminish that there was an actual consequence for the actions that the doctor took that were of a personal nature. Yeah, and again, you know, the, the show has always demanded self-sacrifice from minor characters. Um, let's just think right. about the Ark in Space and let's also think mm-hmm. about Death to the Daleks. Um, you know, minor characters are, are often required to, mm-hmm. to to sacrifice themselves to bring an end to the story, and that's and that's fine. Um, uh, the Doctor's companions are often required to mm-hmm. um, sacrifice themselves. Um, let's just think of Joe um, bringing the demons to an end by right. um, offering herself in, in in place of the sacrifice of the Doctor. Now, again, she doesn't actually get sacrificed, um, but she's certainly willing um, to have that happen. I mean, Adric, who of course I care way less about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Sacrificed himself apparently to I don't know stop some Cybermen doing something. Uh, so I mean, all, all these this, this is what happens in the show. I mean, and I mean the Doctor also you know very often you know is mm-hmm. willing to sacrifice himself. Um, he right. always manages to wiggle out of it right. without really much happening to him. And in this case, he's done exactly what he usually does, which is which is okay. Well, mm-hmm. I'll I'll take it and see what happens. Um, and you know he he did he he offered a, he offered himself uh, up as the person who will sacrifice mm-hmm. himself for someone else, someone else that he is trying to tell right. who he's who he's taking care of. And as you say, there was actual, presumably, certainly at this point in the story, an irreversible mm-hmm. consequence to his physical nature um, mm-hmm. that was a result of that sacrifice. But he is still as brave and as self-controlled and as ingenious and good-humored um, and mm-hmm. hopeful and self-confident as he always has been, even right. though he's just lost his Traumatic. sight, which yeah. is, you know, a pretty devastating thing mm-hmm. for, for any, anyone to happen. So, you know, this mm-hmm. is, again, this is why right. he's a He hero. is definitely affected by it, and you can tell by those closing scenes where Nardole's saying, look at me, look at me, and the doctor is saying, I can't. And Nardole's taking, of course, like, you know, I can't face you, rather than... I'm actually still blind and I can't see. And it's not like right. his sight returned yeah. when they were in the TARDIS. He was just acting. And I, I went back and watched that scene and he is doing blind man, Peter Capaldi, you know, brilliant performance. Again, he is doing blind man acting from, from the point where he's blind throughout right. the rest of the rest of the story. Yeah. The cataracts have um, been cleared from his eyes. It looks like he could see, but he, he can't. Yeah. 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 So, again, we will just have to see how this gets resolved um, mm-hmm. in subsequent episodes. And as, as you say, you know, we know that presumably we're coming into a, a regeneration at some point this year. Um, right. it's, it's entirely possible, though I suspect not the case, but it may be. It's entirely possible this, this does not get resolved. Um, and the Doctor is blind and is reliant on other people to help him mm-hmm. to do things that blind people cannot do. Mm-hmm. But the rest of his... his Life as Peter Capaldi. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. 
So we have seven episodes remaining. I mean, it, it would be it would be interesting to see uh, if they do it. I I, I wonder. I, I have my doubts, but if there's any actor that could do this well, it's certainly Peter Capaldi. Certainly Peter Capaldi, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, with his sonic sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I liked how he kind of put it together. You get the sense that he was improvising up until the very end when he put it together that it wasn't a hack, it wasn't a robbery. This was being done intentionally by the corporation and the only way to save their lives was effectively hack into the profit motive. Yep, yep. And yep, I yep. really like that final speech, you know, and people say point out the speeches that the uh, Capaldi doctor has made in their the set piece speech, but this was a speech that he made very almost in passing saying that this is the end point of capitalism, the bottom line where human life has no value at all. We're fighting an algorithm. You know, we're fighting a spreadsheet. Like every worker everywhere, we're fighting the suits. And yeah, that's, you know, that's a very obvious, you know, sort of like kind of line. But I really felt it was earned in this episode by what Matheson had set up throughout the story. And even even if you look at kind of what uh, has been put beforehand with smile and yeah. thin ice there is this definite vibe of losing our humanity for the sake of profits for um, to machines who do everything for us you know we had the had the automated machines with the uh, with the vardy and the emoji robots and smile we had uh, unbridled capitalism willing to sacrifice people in order to make a uh, fish poo bricks to fund in thin ice and <laughs> probably get a little bit of a respite in knock knock but then once again we have that theme reoccurring and met full head on in oxygen right 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 mm-hmm. yeah this is top stuff this really mm-hmm. is this is good stuff this is good stuff um what did you think of uh, bill's death scene um it was really it was pretty scary um you know it's it's this it, uh, I mean, I knew, you know, I, I guess I kind of knew she wasn't dying. Um, right. Uh, uh, and I, because I, I really couldn't see that that would actually, um, oh, what's the word, that would help the show at this point with their no. main character losing his sight mm-hmm. and then the secondary character dying. That was going to be too much. So I guess I knew she was still alive. Um, right. It was pretty horrific, though. Um, right. As I said, you know, the, the effect on her face. I'm sorry. Yes. No. Exactly. Um, yes. Uh, the, the 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 I I am gonna get it mixed up. I mean, she 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 went through the ringer in this episode. She went right. through the vacuum piece, and she did the like I am mm-hmm. dying thing as well. So yeah. No. Um, uh, gruesome whole thing. Mm-hmm. And Jin just. I, th- I also like that the doctor didn't tell her a joke, and she didn't know if this was <laughs> is this bad or good that you're not telling me a joke, <laughs> and. The doctor's going, Bill, do you trust me? And her immediate reaction is like, wait a minute, why are you saying that? Yeah. (laughs) So, like, she knows knows it was bad. And then what is she – I just wonder if this is significant somehow that her – dying image effectively her 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 final image before being zombified was her mom in that picture on the wall hanging up and knock knock in the room and you know i was thinking back how horrible the ending of knock knock was for bill in that the the mansion collapsed and she had just gotten back pictures of her mom or just just, you know the doctor had just got her pictures of mom and assumingly all her stuff was in her room in that mansion that had disappeared. So, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. I just, so she had a loss, and she remembers that picture. And we, and maybe, maybe she could recover it from the rubble. Yeah. I don't know, but it, it just it, it raises the question again of who is Bill's mom? Is this significant, or is this, right. or is this this character backstory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, again, you know, we've we 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 know the doctor has visited Bill's mother um, mm-hmm. at least on on and, well on more than one occasion, mm-hmm. ostensibly as a Christmas gift. Right. Um, that's what we understood in in the pilot. But mm-hmm. could there be something else going on? Um, well, certainly had yeah. to become at least to to be on a familiar enough base with it to earn her trust for a woman who did not like having her picture taken very often. Right, right. The doctor was able to take her picture quite a bit and not in kind of a stocky, creepy 
way, but you know, as a friendly, as a friend, yeah, as a friend would take a picture. Mm-hmm. In in the in the, in the times when actually taking people's pictures wasn't as common as it is nowadays. Um, right. uh, we'll have to remember our younger our, to mm-hmm. our younger listeners and viewers. There was a time when every picture you took cost you a relatively large sum of money. Yeah. Um, uh, and you would <laughs> not that long out, ago. <laughs> not that long ago, and you would have to you would ration out those pictures according mm-hmm. to your according to the amount of money that you had. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Group hug at the end, and a group hug at the end. Yes, <laughs> which was kind of corny, but it which was, was nice. Yeah, it would, yeah. It, it was fine. I mean, you mm-hmm. can see these people went through absolute hell, mm-hmm. um, and you know the the people the the, the you know characters were suspicious of the doctor. You know, almost to the very end, which is mm-hmm. again absolutely fine with me. I mean, they yeah. should be. You know, yeah. he's a suspicious character. Yeah, um, that was a really good, you know, Abby challenging him, even at that very late stage. He hadn't won her over. No. And, no. you know, it's just like, you know, who the hell are you? Yeah. And the doctor basically laying it on the line, you know, saying, and we get that line from the line from the series trailer saying, I'm the doctor. I will do everything in my power to save your lives. And then we we add back to that kind of mythology from like a good man goes to war or whatever when he's saying, and then when I do, I, you'll spend the rest of your life wondering who I was and why I helped. And then he goes, well, if anyone else is offering a better deal, be my guest. But yeah. basically laying it out, I'm the only one you got. You guys are dead anyways. Yeah. You might as well give me a shot. And again, I mean, just to reiterate a point I made earlier on, I mean, I think I love, I love the concept that the, you know, the psychic paper – um, told them that he was from the union. Yes. Um, this the psychic paper, obviously. You know, it, it taps into what you want that person to be, or what you think, or you know, what what you feel that person should be. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it was a nice kind of mismatch. You know, these people would love to have a union representative turn up from the United Union of Space Workers, <laughs> um, uh, but that's the a union myth. is a myth, right? There yeah. is there is no such thing. And even though mm-hmm. they want that and and they need that, um, and that's what the psychic paper paper picked up on they also mm-hmm. know that you know that union has been busted you know generations ago um mm-hmm. and you know we no longer have a labor union in space and and therefore you know this person we don't know who this person is right at all did you pick up on the hell 9000 i focus yeah, camera on yeah the suits? i mean that's yep yep no i mean that's a, i mean that's an obvious i mean you know i think i think that's so uh, what's the word um, I mean, HAL 9000, I think, this is such a touchstone now for kind of things that happen in space um, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I don't, in some ways, you don't you really, really, don't, you really have to notice it anymore. You know, it's like, okay, that's what, that's what an evil computer's eye looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it yeah. wasn't too blatant, I thought. I thought it fit well within, you know, paying nope. homage to, we paid Star Trek, and then the, we had, you know, another kind of going back when the doctor and uh, Nardle were talking about, you know, whether doors should go whoosh or shook shook. Yeah, shook shook or whoosh, exactly. Right, yeah. so we, yeah. so there was, this was hard sci-fi. It wasn't fictional space, what we had, like, in... Uh, with River Song falling through space and landing into the TARDIS uh, swimming pool, or in Four to Doomsday, where the Doctor's just wearing a spacesuit and being propelled by uh, throwing a cricket ball. This yeah, was yeah, yeah. they explain what happens in space at the beginning, or the Doctor explains what happens to you if you're ex- exposed to the vacuum of space. They demonstrate it, what's going to happen. They have a consequence in it. This was probably the hardest sci-fi story that worked that we've had in a long time. A long time, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, total hard sci-fi. You know, there was, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, it, yeah. Re- and, it, uh, it reminded me a lot of Aliens, where the company is really out to kill you. The company's out to get you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, Wayland, mm-hmm. well, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Wayland yutani is the company that we're... That we're fighting against here. Ooh, that I wonder if that would have well that that would have gotten them in trouble with uh, with Fox, a copyright yeah, yeah copyright yes, yeah, yeah, yeah but that yeah, would have been an interesting thing. I I yeah. wonder I, I'm gonna I, I'm 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 trying to persuade you that there's <laughs> that maybe there was an IMC reference with the doctor with the student saying but what does this have to do with uh, crop rotation? Oh, because <laughs> yeah, could be. Wasn't wasn't that one of the things that they were talking about, or the doctor was talking about when they showed all the maps when he got into the colony in, colony in space? I, th- with I think it crop is crop rotation. <laughs> I th- you're right. There is an IMC reference. I'm pretty sure it's IMC was the company. It's got to be IMC. Yeah, it's either the Interplanetary Mining Corporation or the Sigri, 
mining corporation but imc is the evil company in doctor yeah. who they they always were and they always will be it's imc are the villains well inter, international or galactic in, uh, electromatics or something like that. oh yeah well, which is obviously <laughs> invasion, uh, imc yeah. is a is a is an offshoot of ie so you know I mean, it's 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 all bad it's mm-hmm. all bad mm-hmm. <laughs> so a nice well, base a nice base under siege story Lovely base under siege. Love a base under siege. This, uh, this, yeah, that shot of the, you know, the 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 spacesuit um, corpses like clomping around on the exterior of the space. Yeah. That's fabulous, fabulous mm-hmm. siege shot. Love it, love it, yep. love it, love yeah, it. Just yep. able to, I just through um, direction, writing, editing, show running, it all came together. Excellent pacing, small stakes, but keeps ratcheting up the tension. Like you said, Bill went through the ringer. Doctor has a consequence for um, basically his hubris. He wanted to keep exploring, but even though Nardle and Bill were saying, uh, you know, the TARDIS is comfy and cozy, let's maybe, maybe it'd be more prudent to go back. And the doctor's maybe, saying, maybe it would, you know, <laughs> you know, the, this is how we're judged. You know, yeah, when the universe asks for help and how yeah. we respond to it, this is yeah. how we're judged. This is, it's, 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 it's a doctor's, you know, it's what he says. It's, it's, it's his theme song or his theme tune, a distress call. Yeah. Perfect. Doctor in distress. Doctor in distress. It is, it's, it is actually, it's the, it's the only single that's ever, well, it's the, not the only single that's ever released about the doctor, but it is, it's doctor in distress. Exactly. <laughs> doctor in distress. Perfect. Well, good. Um, so, Thumbs up on this one. This is the best of the season so far for me. Yep, exactly. Best of the season. Um, uh, the season will have to work again very, very hard to mm-hmm. uh, give me a better episode than this, um, which is fine because mm-hmm. this is an amazing episode. So thank yes, you. Yes, this is. And, yeah. and, and you know, let, let, let it not be said that Doctor Who fans who like to complain about everything about their show constantly, when they see something that's brilliant, um, let it not be said that they do actually not call call out its brilliance because it yeah, was I, very, very yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I just I just am so hopeful that Chibnall will keep Matheson in the and Palmer. Uh, wheel, wheelhouse of writers. Yeah, Mas- oh, yeah. Matheson and, and, and the director and Palmer. Palmer. Yes, yeah, the young director yeah. Palmer. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. the young good, Palmer. Good combination. Very good combination. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, Jeffrey Palmer's son. That's wonderful. Everyone loves Jeffrey Palmer. <laughs> oh, fabulous. All righty. Well, fantastic. Um, same time next week, yep, I think. Yep. yep. Um, thank you for listening to episode 42 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. I, as always, have been David. And I, as, as is traditional, as is becoming <laughs> increasingly traditional, have always been Ben. So uh, we will see you next week. Yep. Great. And happy Mother's Day to all our happy, mothers happy who mother's are listening. Day to all, all the mothers who are listening. <laughs>